0: Shalom Haverim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help make Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. My name is Matt and I'm here with my dad, Ron. Say hey.
1: Hey, Shalom. We're uh, here with an exciting topic today.
0: Yeah, now the basic thing, what we're trying to do here with the Jewish Road Podcast, we are a 501c3 nonprofit ministry based in the middle of a basement in central Kentucky. And uh, we have this idea that the Jewish people, It's have you ever gone to a movie, you watch the movie and it's so good that you walk out right in the middle of it? Never, never did that. Right? Have Have you ever gone to the movie theater and you were you were an hour late and you said, "Well, I'm going to go see it anyways." No, I I, I can't envision that. no right. uh, on both sides of that, you actually have this idea that you're missing half the story. Nobody wants to miss half the story. No. And we are starting with the assumption that, un- unfortunately, the Jews they they've heard the first part of the story, what we call Act One. And they left intermission. They left halfway through. They didn't get to see the rest. But they actually, <laughs> they think that they've seen the whole thing. And our, our Gentile Christian friends, they have come in at the middle of the movie, and they've heard about parts in the beginning um, in act one, and they're watching act two saying, well, what is this character? I know this character, but what what we are trying to fill in is that there's actually a backstory to all of them. So that is the essence of what we're trying to do. We are here to share the whole
1: story, act one and act two, the entire story of God. Yeah, I kind of think of it as showing up to a baseball game in the seventh inning.
0: Oh, there you go we've been talking about movie theater the whole time and now you're changing to a sports <laughs> analogy. This is not helping us, but that's okay. We move on. Hey, one, one thing we like to do, uh, we, we like to have fun and I, I'm thankful to be past, uh, day of atonement was the last one. And some of these are, are heavy. We have a lot of, unfortunately we have a lot of heavy holidays, but, um, this one is, is more joyous. And so I'm thankful for that. And so we have, uh, we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. We inject some Jewish humor. And uh, we, we have a little something that's Sukkot-related, because that's what we're going to be talking okay, about today. Can I can I talk about this? Yeah, why can don't I you say this? this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we, we, you we have been
1: afflicted already. So now let, let me uh, inflict uh, a little a little joy, because this is a holiday of joy we're going to be talking about. You're going to inflict joy. I'm going to inflict joy. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay, Let's try here. it. Here, this, this is an interesting story. Uh, Moshe... Built Mo- Who, Who's Moish? We we Moisha. hear Moish all the time, by the way. Moish. That's that's his name. Moish. Moses, essentially. That would right? have been Moses in English. And right, okay. Moish. Moish. Right.
0: Most most Jewish humor. If there's a character, it's going to be Moish. Yeah. Moish.
1: Can I tell the story? All right. Finally. Let's go. Moish. We'll call him Moish. Built a sukkah on the balcony of his apartment, and just before the holiday began, the landlord noticed that he had built this out there, and he demanded that he remove it immediately. He said it was a violation of the terms of the lease. And you know what? Moish refused. He didn't want to take down his sukkah. And he told the landlord that since this was a religious observance, he had no right to tell him to take it down. And the landlord disagreed, and he immediately took the case to court. Oh, boy. Litigation. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in court, the landlord argued that the sukkah was unsightly, Against the terms of the lease, it was a fire hazard, (laughs) and Moish argued he had religious rights. And so the judge, who was hearing the case, happened to be Jewish. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, and he listened very patiently, and then he gave his verdict, and he said, I agree with the landlord in this case, and therefore I rule that you have eight days to take down your hut. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now if 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 you're not laughing right now um number one it's because you don't know what a sukkah is and uh eight
1: days why why is this funny well why? because this is the last feast day in the appointed times for israel and it lasts for eight days
0: yeah, so by the time he has to take it down, Sukkot will be over, so it's always good when you have to explain a joke, because then it, it makes it funnier, right? So maybe yeah. go. we'll listen to the whole podcast, and then come back and listen to that joke again in the very beginning, uh, and and then
1: you'll laugh. Yeah, we'll have to pick you up off the floor. There you go. It'll be great.
0: Well, here we go. Uh, we are on uh, Sukkot. This is the last of all of the, the feasts, and uh, the last in this fall feast section of the High Holy Days. And as all holidays, uh, we have multiple names for it, not only in Hebrew and in English. uh, We have multiple ways of spelling all of them just because we like to confuse people. And you get two Jews and you have three opinions. Um, And sometimes I see you actually, you're one Jew with two opinions. I see you talking to yourself quite a bit. Well, sometimes you have to have an intelligent conversation with somebody. Yeah, so you do that with yourself. So, (laughs) you know, they say if you're going to start a podcast or a church or anything like that, start with the most inspiring book in all of the Bible. So we've started out the podcast with Leviticus. Leviticus. Right in the middle in chapter 23. So any Mm -hmm. Jewish holiday, go to Leviticus 23, and that is the starting point. And so this is Sukkot in Hebrew, also known in English as the Feast of Booths, also known in English as the Feast of... Tabernacles. Tabernacles. So give us a little bit here
1: from Leviticus 23, starting in verse 33. Okay, it says, Again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall not do any laborious work. Verse 37. These are the appointed times of the Lord, which you shall proclaim
0: as holy convocations to present offerings by fire to the Lord. Burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings. Each day's matter on its own day besides those of the Sabbaths of the Lord and besides your gifts and besides
1: all your vowed and voluntary offerings, which you give to the Lord. Okay, and in verse 39 says on exactly the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day, you shall take for yourselves the foliage, foliage, of beautiful trees, palm branches, and branches of trees with thick branches and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a permanent statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days All the native born in Israel shall live in booths so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. So there you have it. That is the Feast of Booths, according to
0: Leviticus 23. And so there is a lot in there to unpack. And with all of the holidays, we're we're playing in multiple time zones, not only just Act 1 and Act 2. There's context even to this passage... And and then there's stuff to come. So what we're going to try to accomplish just in this one episode is just Act One. What's happening here in the Old Testament, and 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 how does this play out for us today? So one of these things, we we followed this progression. Um, we are we've been knee deep in the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar called Tishri. Now going back 15 days from now, we started with the Feast of Trumpets. It was on the first day of the seventh month. And that began the 10 days of awe. And then 10 days on the 10th day of the seventh month was the day of atonement. Actually started on the 9th, the evening of the 9th going into the 10th. And so we just finished Yom Kippur, well, on the 15th of the seventh month. So all of these really are within the first three weeks. And so they're generally on our, on our American calendar. Yeah, they
1: just happen. Boom, boom, boom. Just like the first feasts
0: took place. In the spring. And we'll get to that on the other side of the year here. But now now we have the Feast of Booths, and this is an, an eight-day celebration. And what, what
1: are some of the things that, that God is commanding here in Leviticus 23 that the people do? At well, least commanding them to live in booths. And I I think that's an interesting thing. Uh, Having gathered everything in, now he instructs them to go live in booths for seven days. There's an interesting comment by Rabbi Samuel Ben-Mayer, also known as the Rashbam. Uh, He uh, made a comment on this in the year 1100. Long time ago. Long time ago. But it shows you uh, what the traditional thinking in the Jewish mind is of this. And I like what he had to say because he wrote, do not say in your heart, and then he quotes Deuteronomy 8, my own power and might of my own hand have won this wealth for me. You should remember the Lord your God as it is he who gives you strength to make progress. So he says that the people are to leave their houses which are full of everything good at this season because it's a season of ingathering and they are to dwell in booths why as a reminder of those who had no possessions in the days of the wilderness they had no houses in which to live so uh for this ingathering Uh, time. The people should not be proud when they look back at their well-furnished houses that they live in. They should remember. And God is very big on constantly telling his people, remember.
0: Now, growing up and celebrating this, this was a fun holiday because, you know, kids love to make forts inside the house, but we're essentially, this is where adults are making forts outside of the house. And whether or not you have a house, just like the rabbi said there, uh, this is a reminder, uh, and it says this in verse 43, "...so that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt." And, and that scene, if we go back to that scene, we have Exodus 12, and, and the context for that is we have the 10 plagues, and finally Pharaoh says, get out of here. And they cross over, and the, the bread of affliction is baking on their backs. They cross through the sea. And what, what happens after that is it says in Exodus 12, verse 37, it says, Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, or Sukkoth about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. So estimates are... 2 million plus people. It was a mixed multitude also went up with them and flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. It had no yeast and they were driven out. They could not delay. This is the bread that they ate in haste. And it says now that the time of the sons, they, they had lived in Egypt for 430 years. And at the end of 430 years on this very day, all the multitudes of the Lord departed from the land of Egypt. They cross over, and their very first night of freedom is now spent, and they are in booths. In a in, place called Sukkot. In a place called Sukkot, which means booths. Now, this place was already named that. Go back to, you have Isaac in there, and and talks about that he would make these dwelling places, these little tents uh, for, for his animals, and the animals would be there. Well, now you fast forward, and now the Israelites have come out of Egypt, and now they're dwelling in these booths what's what's
1: going on here what are we what are the implications that we're supposed to take here from this? Well I think that the implication is that uh, the people are to look back from where they came and they're to rely on God looking forward
0: yeah it and I think if you look at this from not only their perspective but you look at this from God's perspective, God looks back on this moment and in Jeremiah chapter 2 verses two and three, the Lord says he says, I remember." regarding you the devotion of your youth your love when you were a bride you're following after me in the wilderness uh, god looks back on this and mm-hmm. and there is a a sense of trust uh, mm-hmm. and and i think that this is something that god revered this this time in the wilderness was a time where where the
1: relationship between god and his people was forged. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it interesting that uh, God looks back at specific times, and he tells his people also to look back uh, at specific times. I mean, it's a constant uh, word from God to his people to remember and to remember and to remember. I think that the exodus out of Egypt is something that the people were to remember and is repeated probably more than anything else in the scriptures, including in the New Testament. And so we remember this even
0: today. And so we do, we make sukkahs. Uh, some people say uh, sukkah, some people say sukkah, either way, it's fine. But we make those today. And, and how we've done it is you, you, have the, you have three walls and you have a roof and the roof is like a thatched roof, right? So you take you take the the leaves, these palm branches is generally what we would do, and we would cover it. But you got to leave a little bit of space, right? Mm-hmm. So you look up. You, you want to be able to see the sky. There you go. You want to see the stars at night, right? And what what must that have been like for the Israelites to be in the wilderness? Now we've been in the wilderness. We've been out in Jordan and some of these places that mm-hmm. that the Israelites encamped. But to be out there, you see a ton of stars. God is there. And what we do, uh, even today traditionally, is we will hang fruit from the top uh we we will eat meals in there uh we will sleep there until the sprinklers come on or we get too cold and then we go back into the house but what we're what we're commemorating even today as we're doing this as we're making sukkahs is we're remembering that god had his people in the wilderness and god dwelt in the midst of his people
1: well it it was uh it it was interesting also that the you had to build the walls of the sukkah, and the top of it had to be only with uh, branches of uh, of branches that came from trees and that kind of thing. But you had to be able to see through the top, be able to see the sky. Um, I go to New York every year to uh, engage with our Jewish people, and one of the interesting things is is that in uh, Williamsburg section of Brooklyn, on one of the buildings, I noticed that there are a bunch of uh, look like fire escapes, but they don't go straight up and down in line with each other. They're they're kind of uh, staggered as you go up each story. And I realized it's not a fire escape. And what I came to understand is those are uh, balconies that look like fire escapes, but they're, they're staggered so that when you build a sukkah on it, You can see up to the sky. You're not looking up to the person who lives above you.
0: Now, we uh, put a picture of that. If you go back to episode two in the show notes, we talked just a little bit about that when we kind of do a big Uh overview of all of that. Uh, You and I were talking about something that was interesting because uh, Sukkot does not just show up here in Leviticus 23, um, or even yeah. in Exodus 12, but we're talking about something interesting that comes from a description in Numbers chapter 29.
1: Yeah, in, in Numbers 29, uh, there's an interesting uh, indication um, of all of the offerings. So we, we read, starting in verse 37 of Leviticus 23, that there were all kinds of offerings being offered, but in Numbers 29, there were Also, a list of offerings that Israel made, but there was something really specific. And the offerings, if you look beginning in in verse 12 and read on down, there are a number of bulls that are offered. And uh, it starts in the first mention, uh, the first time, as offering 13 bulls. And then in the second time, the second day, offering 12 and then the third day 11 and it goes down by one each day until all seven days are complete and the total offering of the bulls uh, turns out to be 70 bulls offered and what the rabbis tell us is that their interpretation of this is that those 70 bulls represented the 70 nations of these are the gentile nations um, that are recorded in genesis chapter 10 so it's a covering, really. It's a sacrifice that exists for all of the people, right? Outside of Israel at the time. Yeah. Uh, Israel is actually making a sacrifice for the, the nations so that when the nations, when the Gentiles uh, repent, their repentance will be acceptable to God. What's interesting is, is that our Jewish people have an objection to the need for a sacrifice. Um, and in talking about that, they'll cite the book of Jonah, indicating that uh, the argument is that, uh, well, the Ninevites repented and there was no sacrifice. Uh, God forgave them, uh, no blood offering. The interesting thing is, is that in their repentance, God can accept them based on, according to what the rabbis are telling us, how they interpreted Numbers 29, those offerings that were offered every year on behalf of the nations, were offered for their uh, salvation for the when they repented and came to the Lord. Another interesting thing. Well, can I just interject for a second? Is that Israel was called to be a royal priesthood, right? They are. That they are acting out their priestly duty here on behalf of the nations. Israel makes a
0: sacrifice, and it's not just a sacrifice for themselves or for the people, or for
1: the people well, of Israel, but really for all of the nations. They do make sacrifices. They are commanded to make sacrifices that are for Israel, uh, but in this case, there are seventy bulls that are sacrificed, and the rabbis tell us that. That sacrifice was for the 70 nations that were known at that time. What's interesting is that uh, in that context, in light of the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 CE or 70 AD, the Talmud records the words of Rabbi Yochanan, who said, woe to the nations who destroyed without knowing what they were doing. That is, they destroyed the temple. For when the temple was standing, the altar made atonement for them. But now who will make atonement for them? This sense of these bulls being offered for the nations carried all the way through to the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. Okay, so that was a lot. Uh, That was a lot.
0: But it's important stuff. It is important. And if if we could actually... like essentially like i think that the, the assumption is that we don't see the gentiles come to faith uh, or be invited in until the second act and it's just not true uh, yeah. god god has made provision in the first act uh, right here from this uh, feast of booths tabernacle part of these these, uh, sacrifices that were made. And you, you have that tie in with Jonah. Jonah was, was 120,000 Ninevites okay. who were all Gentiles were saved. Yeah. It was not only the largest Gentile salvation event that was recorded in the old Testament, but in all of scripture. Okay. Um, so God, God's heart is, uh, for his people to come to himself and i think his intent
1: was always that uh israel would be a blessing to the nations that was part of the abrahamic covenant and that is a good thing to think about
0: so let me just tell you a quick story Uh, I I remember this specifically. Uh, In high school, I was dating a girl, not very long. Uh, She knew that I was Jewish, and she was not. She's a Gentile. And uh, decided, I'm going to introduce her to the... Jewish side of the family here. Well, actually, all all of our all of our families. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine this is this is a make or break moment, right? Uh, but instead of just meeting the family, I thought let's take her to our messianic congregation. So growing up, I didn't go to a church. We went to a messianic congregation. We met on on Saturdays, and. Uh, <laughs> I brought her and was a little bit unaware, a lot of bit unaware, that the holiday that I was bringing her to on that fateful Saturday morning was Sukkot. Now, not only mm-hmm. do we build sukkahs and we have a little bit of a feast, right? We always, that that's just how these holidays work. Yeah. Tried to, you tried to yeah. kill us. My mother used to say, eat, eat, never stop eating. Right. So you tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. That's kind of the summary of all of the Jewish holidays. But we, we show up a little bit late and uh, we walk in. And the other thing that takes place in a congregation is Everybody gets what we call a lulav and an etrog. It's a Mm -hmm. it's a wrapping of willow branch, palm branch. It's in myrtle. It's tied together, and an etrog looks like a lemon. And we take this, and it's a wave offering before God. This is remember. This is fall. It's the same same season we're in right now. You've brought in the summer harvest, and the storehouses are full, and we thank God for the harvest. And so what we do is we take these elements that we've just harvested, essentially, and we wave them before God. We wave them to the north. We wave them to the south. We wave them to the east. We wave them to the west while we're saying some prayers. And I grew up with this, so this is normal, right? You, I mean, you were the one that subjected me to that environment. Hey, yeah, I did. I inflicted you again. <laughs> so... So we walk in and i didn't I didn't remember that this was Sikote, so we walk in and we walk in right in the middle of this part in Sukkot. and I walked in and she her eyes must have popped out of her head like oh my goodness, I'm dating this guy who's in a cult. And I saw the whole thing from her eyes and thought, oh my gosh, I just brought this girlfriend into this thing that looks like a cult. And I immediately pulled her out and said, let me explain. Now, (laughs) this is part of what happens. And it must seem weird coming in, but this is a reminder. It's a feast of ingathering. Now, the seeds that were planted in the spring, they've reaped a harvest, and, and we wave this as, an, as a thanksgiving before God. It's a wave offering. We thank him for the harvest. And it's at this very time that he asks his people to, to return to the booths to remember.
1: It, you know, and it, it's interesting that this, there's a connection in this, uh, because what was taking place with her was that she totally missed Act 1 of the play. And
0: and she missed Act 2 with me and and everything else. (laughs) But it's all right.
1: We moved on. Well, there's a connection between Passover and Sukkot, you might say. Uh, They're exactly six months apart, and... They're commemorating the time that we left the assuredness of slavery, if we can put it that way. You know, it's not great to be a slave, but at least they knew where their meal was going to come from.
0: Right. They had shelter. They had food that was coming. Might not have been the best, but there was there was a certainty to it.
1: Yeah. In fact, when they got out to the wilderness, they said, we want to go back to where the leeks and the garlic and everything is. There was a certain assuredness that they were leaving for an uncertainty of freedom. You can picture that. Uh, and it was kind of scary that first night. And the interesting thing is, is that God provided a way out. Uh, but as they spent their first night, where'd they spend it? In Sukkot. In Sukkot. They went from Ramses to Sukkot, this place called Sukkot. And they had no clue what the next day was going to be, not to mention the next 40 years. <laughs> uh And, you know, I think the lesson is that sometimes stepping out in faith is a scary thing, but we need to trust all of that to God. I don't even know that they actually stepped out in faith. I think they were dragged out. And sometimes that's what God does to us. He drags us out and says, are you going to believe already?
0: Yeah, so how do you take two million people with no infrastructure, nothing set up, and and you really have to trust God? If we're going to tie a through line through the entire holiday, uh, this feast, this appointed time of of booths, uh, I I think you and I have talked about this, that there is this through line of tracking the presence of God. And Mm -hmm. the presence of God shows up right in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden uh, that God is walking with. Adam and Eve, and, and everything is in, in shalom, at shalom, right? They're, they're at peace. I think mm-hmm. God was happy. I think Adam and Eve were happy. Uh, and yeah. then we have the fall, and, and then we have these 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 visits. God's presence shows up in different places. What, where are some of those as we track it through Act 1?
1: Yeah, well, he, he shows up in a cloud by day and a fire by night uh, with uh, the and, Israelites as they have left uh, Egypt. And uh, throughout the wilderness. The
0: entire wilderness account, in, That cloud in the wilderness of all the fire. way through,
1: yeah. all the way through their journeying. Um, he he shows up in the tabernacle as well as uh, the temple, uh, Solomon's temple. Very interesting that the presence, the glory of God, which you know we will talk about here. As as
0: the great Doctor Arnold Fruchtenbaum would say, the Shekinah or the Shekinah, the
1: Shekinah glory the, glory, the presence. Yeah. And fills at, these places. Yeah, and at a point in time in Israel's history, and you can read about it in the book of Ezekiel, uh, the the glory of God left the temple. And there are some interesting things about that dynamic that take place as well that we, we want to share with you.
0: Yeah, so as, as we track the presence of God... Ezekiel tracks the slow exit of the presence of God, comes to the threshold of the temple door, and then goes out over the Mount of Olives and then finally departs. And the question is, is when would God come
1: again to be with his people? When would the presence of God once again come? Yeah, that, I can't wait to talk about that. And you know, when God left, when the glory of God left the temple, he didn't just leave and took a day or two. It took two and a half years before the glory had totally departed. feels like there's a reluctance. There was a, there was a route that he took, and that route is very interesting as well, we'll talk about. When are we going to talk about that? We'll talk about it next time.
0: All right, so they got to come back. <laughs> well, let's cut it off here then. That's it for today. Uh, this has been the Jewish Road Podcast. You can find out more at our website at thejewishroad.com. You can also follow us on social media and Instagram at thejewishroad You can also visit us at our website, and there you can read blogs. You can see what we're up to. We have some upcoming speaking events. You can always donate and support the work that we're doing here. And on our website, you can download a free PDF that we've written. It's called The Jewish Road, Five Keys to Bringing Jesus to the Jewish People. And if they wanted to send us an email, are they allowed to do that?
1: Yeah, if they have some questions, uh, that would be uh, kind of fun to uh, maybe respond to some of those questions uh, during our podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I say send send him some questions there at, at the com specifically about Leviticus, or no, no, Numbers 29, because we went back and forth about that quite a while, and I, I think I'm probably going to email you some questions there. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. This has been the Jewish Road Podcast, and there's certainly more to come. Until then, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim.
1: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.